This episode contains minor spoilers for Resident Evil 2002. It's Overthinking Movies, I'm your overthinking host Brandon Hain, and one of my favorite video game series of all time has to be Resident Evil. I've played pretty much every game in the entire series, including some of the spin-offs, and have always found its mix of horror and action endlessly enjoyable. Unless it's Resident Evil 6. And with a reboot of the movies coming next week that promises to be faithful to the games, I decided I would go back and check out the original 2002 Resident Evil movie to see how it is aged and, you know, to compare it when the new one comes out. If you're listening to this and you don't know what Resident Evil is, the gist is that it's about a corporate pharmaceutical company called Umbrella, known for its work in medicine and healthcare, that is secretly conducting experiments to create viruses to be used for warfare. Yeah, so despite being created in the mid-90s, Resident Evil unintentionally contains themes and imagery that feel a bit too real nowadays. But thankfully, it balances out by being pretty silly. The series follows a variety of protagonists, from special police forces to rookie cops to college students armed with a handgun. But usually, they're all in the same situation working towards the same goal. That being, usually in some sort of horrible zombie apocalypse, trying to both survive and uncover the truth behind the infection. So yeah, the viruses in Resident Evil don't make you sick, but they turn you into zombies or giant mutants. Whether reality or fantasy is worse here, I'll just leave up to you. The gameplay of these games usually involve you as one of the characters isolated in a creepy environment as you either run away from or fight the monsters while managing your meager resources. And even from just that, it's a pretty strong setup for a horror movie or an action movie. And funny enough, George A. Romero the director of Night of the Living Dead was signed on to originally direct the first Resident Evil movie. However, according to Romero, the CEO of the studio did not like his script, and that was that. So the movie went through a series of other potential hands until it ended up in those of Paul W.S. Anderson, who was hot after coming off of another video game adaptation, Mortal Kombat, which we covered back in April, a very fun, cheesy action movie and a decent adaptation of its game. He also directed the 1997 cult horror movie Event Horizon, which I also recommend. Given that I described Resident Evil as being both silly and horrific, there is certainly potential that Paul W.S. Anderson could make another solid adaptation using this material. So, how did it go? Uh, hmm. Uh, Resident Evil 2002 is one of the more interesting adaptations of a game I've seen. So it uses none of the characters from the games, nor does it necessarily adapt a specific game. Instead, it uses an original story and original characters while trying to capture the spirit of a Resident Evil story. Unlike a lot of modern movies, the references to the games in this one don't feel pandering for nostalgia, no less because the series was only a few years old at this point. But the point is, even if you don't know what Resident Evil is, the movie is understandable. But for fans, I felt like it also does enough to define itself as Resident Evil through recreating the feel and lore that makes the series unique. But 
to be honest, it's only an alright movie with a lot of messy execution and a second half that kind of lost me. It's not scary. With mostly jump scares involving people putting their hand on another person's shoulder without warning. Also, the action scenes are always zoomed in and full of camera shaking. The special effects cycle between bad and good from shot to shot. The main character is so good at martial arts and weapons that there's not much tension when she is on screen. But if I have all these negatives, what made me say the movie is alright? Well, being a Paul W.S. Anderson production, the movie has a lot of style. Right from the beginning, the opening is a black screen, and at the center of it is a shot of an umbrella scientist working on a vial of the T-virus. And slowly, the camera gets closer and closer as the movie's main theme plays. This, this really memorable, dark techno beat that sets this unnerving and distinctly sci-fi feel. The music was composed by Marco Beltrami, collaborating with Marilyn Manson. And like with Mortal Kombat, the music really catches your attention, with this rock and techno mix that makes the movie better by pumping in energy. The story of the movie itself is essentially a mix of Resident Evil 1 and 2, the vial of T-Virus the scientist was working on somehow falls and cracks open, unleashing the infection in the lab and eventually throughout the facility. Our main protagonist is Alice, a young woman who wakes up with amnesia in a mansion that acts as sort of like a secret entrance to the lab. She soon finds herself drafted by a group of commandos that work for Umbrella to go into the underground lab and secure the situation. The conflict becomes not only figuring out what happened at the lab and securing it, but also Alice's revelations as her memory slowly returns. This is primarily what kept me engaged throughout the movie, as it's not very predictable with what it will throw at you next. Alice may be too ridiculously competent a fighter to make me feel any tension during the action, and yes, there is a story reason for that, but I enjoyed her character and felt that Mila Jovovich was believable in that role. She has this intense gaze, and then when her past becomes more and more clear to her, she gets this intelligent, focused look in her eyes that conveys that she knows more than the other characters without needing any dialogue. The other standout character is Rain, one of the commandos played by Michelle Rodriguez. This sarcastic, tough commando character that could have been kind of annoying and irritable is actually great because of the charisma her performance pumps into it. That isn't to say the rest of the cast is unmemorable or bad, it's just that they aren't really given a lot to work with, as this is one of those movies where characters are getting cut down left and right. Whether it's zombies or creatures or the computer AI that operates the lab, there's a decent variety to what our protagonists go up against. However, like I said though, the special effects are hit and miss. I can't hold it too hard against the filmmakers, as this was an independent film, so they couldn't go over budget like a major Hollywood movie, meaning cuts had to be made. The movie does use a decent mix of practical effects like miniatures alongside CGI, but the problem is, is that when they do use CGI, it's immediately obvious. Towards the end of the movie, where they encounter a surprise monster taken right from the video games, they portray it entirely through CGI, and it looks so outdated. But at the same time, I don't really know how else they could have made that monster work back then, especially on that budget. Now, what I can't be lenient on or forgive is that the movie expects me to take it pretty seriously while having moments of complete cheese that are about the same as Mortal Kombat. Whether it's Alice jump-kicking a zombie dog in the face in slow-mo, 
or the computer AI saying, I've been a naughty girl. There were a number of moments that felt tonally inconsistent with the people getting devoured by zombies and exposition about biological warfare. That's kind of the bottom line, is that Resident Evil is... alright? In the notorious pantheon of video game movies, this is in no way one of the worst. But there are definitely, especially nowadays, plenty of better ones, including Mortal Kombat 1995. Now, it's certainly better than its reputation, but I hope the reboot, called Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City that comes out this Wednesday, can top it. My biggest fear with the new one is that in its attempt to be a more faithful adaptation of the games, it gets too bogged down in references and trying to recreate scenes that it loses its characters or its story. Because if there's any point I hope you've taken from this podcast, it's that characters come first. That isn't to say an interesting story can't carry things, and there's many cases where it can overshadow character, but it's always a winning formula that if you can get characters that work or have arcs that we can engage with, that can overshadow so many other technical problems. I don't know if I'm going to cover the other Resident Evil movies in this franchise because I hear they pretty much go downhill immediately after this, which is saying something since this movie was just alright. But if you'd like to see me cover them, as well as other video game adaptations, you can shoot me an email at overthinkingmoviespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find more episodes of Overthinking Movies over at goldhitswkva.com, star967.com, or wchecks1055.com, or Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or pretty much anywhere you can find your podcasts. I was relieved to find out that Resident Evil 2002 is nowhere as bad as its reputation, but it certainly has its problems. However, now that I live in a world that's post the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and the Castlevania Netflix show, and also that recent League of Legends Netflix show that I hear is really good, I feel like, and I hope, that we're seeing a distinct upturn in video game adaptations. So please, please Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City be at least okay. <laughs> that That is my expectations at this point. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.